0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.
1: Will these areas ever stop shaking? No, but where should the majority of my efforts go? See, all the devil has to do is shake a few areas in your life and you're totally neutralized because you don't know what's really important. Some of you, God shakes you to wake you up
0: Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. Shaken but not defeated. It might sound like a cheesy line from an action movie, but in this episode, we're continuing Pastor Jeff's message about the things in our life that shake us up, and we usually feel the need to fix them. However, the passage we're looking at shows us that sometimes God has to shake things up in order for us to prioritize our relationship with Him. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now as he continues in Acts chapter 4.
1: When I was a little boy. We used to play King of the Hill. Did you ever play that when you were growing up? Okay. Got th- I got three brothers. So there are four of us. Each brother would take a turn and you got to stay on top of the hill until somebody could knock you down. Well, my, y- my oldest brother was a-, a state championship wrestler. So he-, he-, he was built after my father who was short and stocky, my mother, tall and slim. And so when he got to the top of the mountain, you just could not get him down He was invincible. And every time I read Acts 4, I think about what God is saying. God says to them, my son is on the throne, man. He's king of the hill. And whatever you do, you can't bring him down. He wears a t-shirt that says, can't touch this. And you're not going to bring him down. And suddenly the people in Acts 4, they got it. So you know what they prayed for? Not that God would stop shaking things, but they pray for boldness. Why? They're saying to God, God, help us no longer to be surprised at all the shaking in our lives as if it's a surprise. Instead, give us the courage to keep moving forward in what really matters, that this shaking of our world may not distract us from what we're really supposed to be doing. Now, what do we do? Come on now. What do we do? What do I do when my life starts shaking? Please, please don't use me as the example in this. If the, it's one of those sermons where if there's a mirror here, I'd be preaching to myself. And, and I'm frustrated that I'm, I'm not growing as fast as I, I should be, aren't you? But here's the deal. When my finances start collapsing, when I don't have enough money in the bank, when I feel I've been betrayed by somebody, I get outside attacks or family conflicts, what do I do? I retreat. When we feel shaken, we begin to retreat and focus completely on how to stop this area of our life from shaking. It gets all of our attention, and we are neutralized, and we continue to function somewhat, but we're not firing on all pistons, and sometimes we even pull by the side of the road and just break down. At that moment, we become insane because we're distracted from what we really should be doing by the surprise that something in their life is shaking. Man, I gotta make some more money. My finances are shaking, so my spiritual life is cast aside. Oh God, I'll get back to you as soon as I fix all this. Well, I've gotta make sure that my company and its reputation survive this attack. So what happens? I spend all my time doing that my family disintegrates. I wonder why my wife or my husband or my children want nothing to do with me. I have to make sure this person doesn't continue to cause havoc in my life, so my relationships are shaking. I got to go to the gym and make sure I defeat this thing called age. That's me in about 5 years right there. My body is shaking. Now listen, are all these things important? Yes. Am I to become apathetic? No. Will these areas ever stop shaking? No. But where should the majority of my efforts go? See, all the devil has to do is shake a few areas in your life and you're totally neutralized because you don't know what's really important. Can I can I pause here just for a second? some of you, God shakes you to wake you up. Hebrews 12, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Now, here's what God is saying. For some of you, It is necessary for God to shake these things in your life, to wake you up, because your slumber is so deep. You just don't get it. You still think that the purpose of God is to stop shaking everything in your world. It's not. And so because you have such a great love for things that are destructible, God has to destroy the things in your life that are destructible. So that your eyes will be open to what is indestructible. He takes the things you love most, causes them to dissipate so that your lesser loves will fade that your greater love might be for the one who never fades. And a loving God would do that. He wouldn't let you waste your life. For the genuine believer... God strips away your destructible loves until you fall in love with indestructible things. So, you know, when you're beating your head against the wall, why is my life like this? Why are my finances like this? Why are my relationships like this? And you beat your head on the wall, all you do is just beat your head on the wall. But if you've had the God quake, if you've been woken up by the power of the Spirit, guess where your frustrations are now? When you beat your head against the wall, it's like this, why am I not more compassionate? Why do, why do I not forgive after everything God's forgiven me? Why do I hold grudges? Why do I remain unwilling to be generous and sacrificial? That's what Jesus was like. Why is my love for God and love for people not deep enough? That's what frustrates you. Because that's the most important thing in your life. If you're beating your head against the wall over these things, that proves you've had the God quake. God shook you. And the first church was so shaken by what really mattered... That's why they had such an impact on the world. That's why other people wanted to run in and be part of them. Because they said, dude, you guys live a life we don't know about. But I don't know what it is. That's the life we want. Can I read to you something that was written in A.D. 130? A.D. 130 by one of the church fathers. Here's how he described the Christ followers. They marry as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They don't sacrifice their babies. They don't have abortions. They have a common table, but not a common bed. What does that mean? Well, in the world, you shared your bed with everybody, but your food with no one. But the Christians shared their food with everyone, but their bed with only their husband or wife. They're in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. Oh, they're living lives every day, dealing with the same thing, but they are spiritual people. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. So they're faithful people. They respect authority, but they surpass. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. In other words, people condemn them without knowing who they really are. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things and yet abound in all. They are dishonored and yet in their very dishonor are glorified. These first Christians, they pursued the things that mattered which made them the most rational people on planet earth because they lived for the things that were real. Acts 4.31, what is the result of their prayer for boldness? After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, what in heaven's name is going on here? You remember when we started the series, I told you, every time that God shows up, you have wind and fire, wind and fire. There's a third element that accompanies most of the time, but not every time, and it's an earthquake. Exodus 19, God comes down on the mountain and it trembles violently. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, God shows up, fills the room. What happens? There's this, incredibly, uh, this incredible shaking going on as his presence fills the house. In other words, earthquakes happen when God appears. Now, the question is why? Why does God choose an earthquake? Does, God, does the earth always have to shake when God shows up? Have you ever seen a squirrel Scurrying over the ice. Now you say, Well, Pastor Jeff, this is California, dude. We don't see ice. I grew up in Tennessee. In the wintertime, the ice, the lakes, rivers, streams covered with ice, and you have the little squirrels go out because evidently it's a good time to go get food. Now, the squirrel is safe on the ice. Why? Because the ice is heavier than the squirrel. The reason there's an earthquake when God shows up is because God is greater than everything else. He he's stronger, he's more solid. Mountains are monstrosities and seemingly immovable. But when compared to God, they're insignificant. When God shows up, the mountains melt. That's why Tim Keller says, God is the one who plays with the constellations the way we sift sand through our fingers. So when God shows up, there's an earthquake because he weighs more than everything else. not that he needs to go on a diet. It's that everything about him And so when he comes down during this prayer meeting in Acts 4 and fills the place with the power of the Spirit, of course things are going to shake because it's to remind the people to wake them up. Something far more important, weightier, of greater magnitude than all your problems and concerns is right here, right now. What was the result of God showing up? Boldness. They began to speak the logos of God. This is important, the word of God, the revelation of God. Now please, please get this. Please. When God shows up, reality shows up. Have you never been in a worship service and suddenly through a song or a sermon your eyes were open, you began to see the world as it really is, not the way you've been seeing it in the past? Do you know what that's called? That's called a God quake. He showed up and suddenly your eyes were open. And when this happened, if if you tell me, Pastor Jeff, that's never happened to me, I'm worried. Because it means you've never had the God quake. At some point over the... Life of your following Jesus. Your seeking of God should be so passionate with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that there are times in a service when you almost melt. You realize God is showing me something right now. I see it, it's so clearly when my mom died, and I've shared this before, we're all at the, at the gravesite, and we're all sitting there with my brothers, and they're lowing my mother into the ground. And I'm devastated, and I'm saying, God, why? She was too young. She was a good person. Why can't you take some of these guys out? They're terrible, right? It's my mother. And suddenly God opened my eyes. I had a God quake, and God said, Pastor Jeff, is your mom really in that box? She's been hanging out with me for the last three days. And suddenly I just started laughing, and my brothers got mad at me because they thought I was laughing. Our mom, you know, I I explained to them, I'll explain later, and I did, but that's my eyes were suddenly. I just like, man, this is the best day of my mom's life. That's a God quake. Has that ever happened to you? You say no. Can I tell you why? Because you're still a consumer. You come to church as a consumer, what are they going to do today? I hope it inspires me. You don't come in those doors saying, I am going to seek God today in this one hour or one hour and 20 minutes with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Bible says, if you seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you're going to have a God quake. Something special is going to happen to you. And it's going to change you. It happened to the people who were praying in the room. You know what they said? They said, wait a minute. Why are we afraid of losing our wealth? We're going to lose our wealth anyway. But we have a wealth that can never be taken from us. Why am I afraid of losing my life? It's going to happen someday. But there is a life that I can never lose. And through the power and the presence of the Spirit, suddenly it became real to them. You know. Now let me tell you what happens when you come into this place when you decide in your life that you're going to seek God, a relationship with him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that's going to be the ultimate. When you decide that and you're serious about it, and you tell God, you'll give up everything. You, you'll say to God, God, I love you so much that, you know, this relationship here, I, I, I do like love, but what is love without you? This money over here, i, I got to tell you, I do need it and I want it, but God, what is, what is money if I don't have you? You see what I'm saying? That this, uh, this affair that I want to engage in, the sin that I want to engage in, I got to tell you, God, I'm tempting, but you know what? What, is good, what good is all this if I don't have you? When you get to that point and you mean it is when the God quake comes. <laughs> see, that's when you start to see God for who he really is, and suddenly it changes everything you do and the way that you live. And when you're in a worship service and you're seeking God with all your heart, soul, and mind, guess what happens? God descends, and you know what the Holy Spirit does inside you? Here comes God. God communicates to the Spirit, the Spirit speaks to you, and guess what? Boom, reality, God quake. <laughs> Until that happens to you, man, let me, let, me, let me give you an example of somebody like this. I've met these people. Now, do you, do you ever wonder why the Bible says that the way is narrow? You think that's just a joke? You think Jesus didn't have anything to say, so he filled the space? He said, this is, is going to be tough. I was gonna make a lot of people never find this door. And by the way, the Greek word is eureka. So you find it. You find it because you seek for it. You want it desperately more than anything else. It's the divine romance. Now, when you meet somebody who lives like this, it's, it's both convicting and it's inspiring. And I had a grandmother. Oh, man, my grandmother. Grandma Bessie. We called her the round mound of sound. Because she was a short and stumpy little thing, and she liked to sing. She was a diabetic. She lost her eyesight. She's the grandmother I told you about that memorized the entire New Testament. So when her eyesight was completely gone, we would sit on her lap as little boys and girls, and she would open the Bible and read. She wasn't reading. She had memorized the entire New Testament. This was an amazing woman. This woman had nothing. Folks, we're talking about the hills of Tennessee. This woman had abs. She just had nothing. And my dad, we were poor too. I had three brothers. We're all living in one bedroom. One bedroom. And so she, dad couldn't help her that much. He did the best he could. But she lived a, she lived a poor life. But she, but she was so stinking happy. You know, She had these big blackberry bushes behind her house. And she would pick all those blackberries and make jam. And so when her grandchildren came over, she would take the biscuits left over from the morning, put butter on them, and then slap that jam on there. I thought I'd die and go on to heaven. This is all she had and she gave all she had. I don't remember her being miserable, but yet I look back now and I realize she had nothing. Nothing, this old house with an old stove in the middle of it with soot on the walls. But she loved Jesus, man. All she talked about, all she thought about. Her whole life, God used me. So I think I was eight or nine years old and we were out on the front porch in Tennessee one night and it was one of those July nights, pretty hot. And my brothers and I and my dad and my grandmother, Grandma Bessie, and this old drunk starts walking down the street. And man, he's cursing God. He's shouting at God. He's had way too much to drink. and you know He's just doing all this stuff. And my grandmother looks at my dad and says, Dean, my dad, Dean, take me out to him. And my dad says, now, Mom, you don't want to do that. And she said, God told me to do this. You either take me out or I'll just stumble out there till I find him. And my dad rolls his eyes, oh boy, here we go again. My dad walks her out about the time he gets right in front of the house. And she says, young man, God has given you so much and here you are cursing his name. You're able to walk. Some people can't even walk. You've got clothes. Some people have no clothes. You've got food, obviously, and you've got wasted money too. Repent and call on the name of God. And whatever you're trying to drink away, he'll come and restore it. Now, this is a long story that I don't have time to tell. Only I want to tell you is this. You talk about courage. My grandmother wasn't afraid of anybody. What's the worst that could happen? Somebody kill her? Seriously. just go to heaven. That's the way she thought. I'll just go to heaven and be with Jesus. That guy, that drunk, as my grandmother's eyesight had, had completely fallen now. You think about this. He's the guy that walked her to church the rest of her life. Can I help you with something? Some of you in the room, man, this relationship thing, this filling of the spirit, this God quake, it's never happened to you. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's never happened. There were two other quakes, famous earthquakes in the life of Jesus near the end of his life, right? Right? The first one was when he gave up the spirit. and The Bible says there was a great earthquake and everything shakes and the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The Bible's trying to tell you, why why is everything shaken in your life? Why is the whole world shaken? Why? It's the justice of God. It's what we do to each other. It's the cause and effect. The Bible says... Make sure you understand God is not mocked, a man reaps what he sows. We're doing this to each other. Do you think God's gonna sit up in heaven and just let no ramifications come from the way we treat each other? It's not the way it works. So God knows everything's gonna be shaken, not because he shakes it, because we are sinners. This is what we do to each other. You don't think the problem in the world is corruption? You don't think the problem in the world is we don't love each other as we love ourselves? You, I mean, you think, don't you think if we live by the Sermon on the Mount, it'd be a much better society and world? Well, of course it would be. There are ramifications when you don't, but God says, I shook the earth. All the justice of God came down on the shoulders of Jesus, and the earth shook because God was heavy, and all this justice shook his son so that you could live an unshakable life. Do you understand that? God says, you received my son. And you understand that my justice came down on him. My justice does not come down on you. You may still have to live in an unjust world, but the reality is one day there'll be no more crying, no more tears. The old order of things, of injustice has passed away. The new order has come. Now there's a second time that the earth was shaken and it's at the resurrection of Jesus, right? When he rose from the dead. The Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead that there was a big shaking and then here's this big stone rolled away out of the tomb and the angels over sitting down having lunch. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The second shaking was to show you that death, in the words of C.S. Lewis, has been once and all defeated. So yeah, you might be shaken in the here and now. God says to Abraham, Abraham, now I know that you love me because you did not withhold your only son from me. You and I can say to God, God, now we know you love us because you did not withhold your only son from us. And in Romans 8, Paul took this and he said, if God did not spare his own son, will he spare anything else? (laughs) If he's willing to give what is most precious to him, he will give us all good things. This is the thing that you live with. Now, when you really get it and you absorb it, it changes the way you live. It's not a matter of work salvation. It's a matter of cause and effect. When you have the God quake, you can't help but to change the way you live. The reason you don't change the way you live is you've never had the God quake. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, help me. I don't know if I've had it or not. Yeah, you do. Oh, you do. What do I do? Give me an action point. Everybody wants an action point. Give me three things I can do when I walk out of this room. I'm so tired of that. Give me three things. No, let me tell you. Forget about action. That's your point. That's your problem in the first place. Here's what you need. You need to get down on your knees and seek God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and pray that you have a God quake. Because then everything after that is a fact of the cause. It will happen. I won't have to preach on generosity, sacrifice. I won't have to preach on any of those things anymore. Because it will automatically happen when you have the God quake. So what do you pray? God, fill me with your spirit. Let me see you like I've never seen you before. And then here's how you'll know. On the other side, you'll start to realize, wow, I really do live for something bigger than myself. Yes, I have to put out these fires. It's just the way I live. It's life. But my ultimate fire is for the kingdom of God. And I live my life to progress something that can never be shaken. God, forgive me. I am so mad at myself that things so easily shake me. They shouldn't. But there's a kingdom that will never fall apart. It goes from strength to strength. When you you figure that out and have your God quake, it's gonna change everything. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way you work in our lives through scripture. Thank you for opening our eyes To when we have the God quake, we become bold people. We pray, God, help us to be bold, to speak your revelation to the world. Not only in words, but in the way that we live. To live such a compelling life that people around us, they want to be part of us. Because we love all people. We serve all people. We are generous more than all people. We are sacrificial more than all people. This is the life we live because we live for a kingdom that is unshakable. And I pray for those in the room that are being shaken right now. I pray their eyes would be open to possibly think for a moment, why does this area of my life keep shaking? That it could be you're trying to reveal the things that are shakable to draw us to the things that are unshakable so that our primary hope and our primary trust is in you. We pray for our church Father, we'd love to be here one Sunday morning. and Suddenly, this building started shaking. It would terrify us. We'd think there's an earthquake. But God, we'd love when your presence comes down and fills this place and our eyes are open. May it be so, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me want to dance and sing with every single friend I bring. I will bring this up. You are my wonder. You bring the wonder. Today. 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 With Jeff Vines.